The Oklahoma City Thunder got the 12th overall pick in the 2023 NBA Draft. Where do they go from here? What prospects should they target? Could they move up? We'll talk about it all on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com on today's show. We're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder staying with the 12th overall pick. Where do the Thunder go from here? Can they trade up? Can they trade back? What's Sam Presti's recent track record? And how the lottery shaking out this way with Victor going to San Antonio impacts the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are some of the targets, both as prospects and as trade partners. So the Thunder stay at pick number 12. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. The Thunder stay at pick 12. This was the most likely outcome for the Thunder, for their first round pick to be at pick 12. They will now pick at pick 12, 37, and 50 in the 2023 NBA draft with a ton of future draft capital. The Thunder also have had a lot of uh, history at pick 12, most notably last year, Jalen Williams, who was runner-up for Rookie of the Year in 2022, Steven Adams, also the 12th overall pick. Nick Collison, the 12th overall pick in Seattle. Robert Swift, the 12th overall pick in Seattle, and some more on down the line. The Thunder have not had a pick at 37 since 1994, back whenever they were with, of course, Seattle. And in pick 50 history, they've only selected there once. It was in 2008. It was for Devon Harden, who did not play a game in the NBA. So, Pretty much a clean slate for their two second-round picks. But pick 12 has been kind to Oklahoma City. It's important to note the Thunder are picking at pick 50 instead of where uh, we thought that they'd pick entering lottery night because San Antonio uh, is ahead of Houston. And this is actually a good thing to move back from a top 40 pick, uh, having two top 40 picks going back to 50. At pick 50, that guy's going to sign a two-way deal. Like if you, if you simply draft at 12, 37, 50, you only need to create two standard NBA contracts, which helps your roster crunch. And if you pick at 12, 37, 50, and do not re-sign Dario Saric, you would only need to create one roster spot from this roster. So you'd be able to uh, kind of kick the can down the road on this roster crunch. That'd be great for Oklahoma City. So even though the pick did fall in the sense of the second round pick falling to 50, uh, it actually helps OKC when it comes to navigating the um, you know, roster situation. And the Thunder have had a recent track record of being really good at picking late in drafts, notably Aaron Wiggins at pick 55 uh, has became a, a rotational piece after starting his career on a two-way deal. So at 12, what are the Thunder looking to do? There are some dream targets. I think that 
some dream targets who aren't going to be there would be like Jerese Walker and Taylor Hendricks. Like they will not get to 12, will not get close to 12. You'd have to make a, a pretty significant splash trade to get either one of them. Uh, the ne- then the next one up on that rung of like dream candidates is Grady Dick and Grady Dick, I think is well within the range of 12. Uh, he could go 10. He could go 12. Like he could be at the, on the board at 12. He could be off the board by pick 10. Like he's just kind of up and down where it's not like a slam dunk. He'll for sure be there, but he's much, much, much closer to pick 12. And, and so the reason that gritty Dick would be the top kind of prize, if you can have it fall that way while actually thinking it'll fall this way. So like, like Dries Walker and Taylor Hendricks, those are two prizes that it's just not going to happen. There's not going to fall to 12. Now you could trade up for them, which we're going to get to later on. But in terms of like, if you stay put at 12, they're just not going to be there. Grady Dick could be there. And his three point shooting is incredible. He has not only a quick release, but a release that's repeatable and a release that he gets off uh, within traffic and at a moment's notice, uh, both off the dribble, off the catch in transition, uh, off of screens, moving, you know, off ball. He does it all as a shooter. He also is a really good playmaker in the sense of uh, being a guy who connects the offense and, and keeps things in rhythm and the ball doesn't stick to him. He understands how to rotate defensively and how to play off ball defense. Uh, he's not going to be a point of attack defender whatsoever, but he is still a really good option to tie together this Royals, ro- uh, this Thunder rotation. I've already done a Gritty Dick draft profile and projection. You can go find that from last Friday uh, on the YouTube channel or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And we already have a Gritty Dick draft profile and projection. Already have one up on Taylor Hendricks and Jerese Walker as well. So Grady Dick would be a dream come true. And if he was on the board when the Thunder were picking, I would race to the podium and have Grady Dick's name be put on that card for Oklahoma City. I think that he is one of the one of the ones that you want in OKC if you stay at 12 especially. For another one who I think will for sure be there, which I can't say the same for Grady Dick. He could be taken before 12, but he's much closer to that range. Will for sure be there is Leonard Miller. Leonard Miller is a name that has been uh, climbing up the um, up the draft boards and mock drafts and big boards uh, throughout this process. And to kind of tell you how quickly things have shifted for Leonard Miller, at the Sam Presti uh, press conference, at the exit interview for Sam Presti, uh, I made note in the draft room that I was, I mean, in the press conference room that I was a Leonard Miller fan. And there was more than one fellow media members who did not like that, uh, that did not like that, uh, kind of declaration did not like that. I like Leonard Miller did not like Leonard Miller. And now people are coming around on Leonard Miller because he is just an absurd athlete. He, he is just awesome in transition. He's great at running the floor. He's a great pick and roll man for his size at six, nine, which I really like. Obviously, the shooting has to come around. He shot 32% from beyond the arc. That has to get better. Um, but I, I think that he has the potential to be a solid three-point shooter. He's not going to be Isaiah Joe, but I also don't think that he'll be like a guy that you just totally ignore on the perimeter once he reaches his potential. So that is is good when suggesting kind of what his what his ability to, to bring to the table is. I think that he can be a extraordinarily good defender if he wants to. He has the athleticism, the size, the strength, the abilities to switch, but he's got to be locked in. And when he is locked in, he's a scary good defender. 
in isolation as a help side defender. He is a scary good defender when he is locked in, but you've got to get that. You've got to get that effort from him consistently. Plus his scoring at the rim is awesome to see from Leonard Miller. So he does a lot of things extremely well, and we will do a draft profile extensively on Leonard Miller on Friday. So we'll save some of this for that. But I think that Leonard Miller will be there and he will be a good option for the Thunder at 12, even though right now it might seem silly or it might seem kind of weird or or um, out of the norm. By the end of this combine, I think that Leonard Miller will be there at 12 pretty comfortably uh, in terms of like big board power rankings of prospects. People will, will have him in that 12 range uh, more comfortably here. And you've already seen guys like Sam Vecini, even KOC's mock draft right after the lottery had the Thunder taking Leonard Miller uh, and a lot more places had that buzz as well. Uh, Kaysan Wallace is another guy that like is, is like Gertie Dick where I, I could see Kaysan Wallace going top 10, but I could also see Kaysan Wallace being there at 12. Like I, I could see it go either way. Uh, and, and Wallace, I, I think, provides you that shooting with that defense, which makes him appealing for OKC specifically because you're going to want... Um, you're going to want his shooting. He shot 34% from three and the thunder of course, pride themselves on defense. So that's very important for him. Uh, and then you have Kobe Bufkin and he's been in a, a late riser the second half of the, uh, you know, of the draft cycle. He did really well in at Michigan late as the season progressed. He got better as the season went on um, as well. Black Kulabai is a guy that we've talked about with Richard Stamen at Mavs draft on Twitter that I really like for the thunder in the sense of like an upside pick, but at 12, is that going to be premature? Is it going to be someone who's right on target at 12? Who knows? But he's just another name to throw out there. Uh, I think Anthony Black will be gone by 12, but but if he somehow slides, then you, you take an upside swing on him. I think that Gigi Jackson is an extremely polarizing player, um, and he has that label of an immature guy and and that label of, of, of needing to kind of coach out some of those bad habits that he has. But if you think you can do that, he has uh, some untapped potential there as well. I wouldn't necessarily um, love it at 12, but he, he would be someone who's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Reiner Pear is another guy worth keeping an eye on uh, for OKC and, and has been since this cycle started. I also like Jordan Hawkins' shooting ability, but I'm not sure that he brings much else to the table for the Thunder. And then you have two more pipe dream situations where like, what if Azor Thompson just does not dominate these pre-draft workouts and interviews and slips to 12? What would you do then? Uh, what if Kim Whitmore slips to like 10 and then would you pull the trigger on a trade or like slips to nine or eight, somewhere like that? Would you pull a trigger on a trade for Cam Whitmore? So that's where we're going to go with next. What are the trades? Both trading up and trading down, I think is another option for OKC. What's been the recent trends for Sam Presti and why you should follow them closely. Plus, we're going to do our mock draft of the NBA draft lottery and talk about what each possibility means for Oklahoma City. But first, I want to say right now, but our good friends over at Bird Dogs, folks, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Uh, use the code LockedOnNBA for a free tumbler with every purchase. It is awesome, but Bird Dogs is our new sponsor. I'm wearing Bird, Bird Dog shorts right now. They're extremely comfortable, extremely versatile. Uh, you can wear one of these shorts. You can go out golfing. You can go on a date. You could go hang out with friends. You could go in a meeting, and they're even comfortable and, and fit right and stretchy enough to where you could go play a pickup game of basketball in these shorts. The same shorts that look that look professional enough to wear into a business meeting are comfortable enough to go play a pickup game of basketball in. 
It's versatile. It's the shorts of the summer. You're going to want to check them out today. And again, if you use our code, you're going to get this awesome tumbler, which they sent us as well right here. You can see it on YouTube. It's a great tumbler. I tell you, I made this coffee. I made this big old cup of coffee whenever the lottery started. Still hot right now. I could take a drink of it right now as we record. Still hot. Still hot. So it's, it's awesome. Go check it out today. Uh, go to birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA. And when you enter code LockedInNBA, you're going to get a, uh, you're going to get thrown in a free custom bird dogs, bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. So make sure that you check it out today. We're back on the lockdown thunder podcast on the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking thunder basketball folks, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on, on any podcasting platform that you, that you listen on, on YouTube as well. And Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles because the draft is heating up and we have it here for you. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk draft. Now let's talk trades. So here's the trend. Sam Presti has made a draft day trade every year since 2019. He traded down in that draft to get Darius Baisley. He traded up in 2020 to get Pokashevsky, who everyone knew was his guy. Keep in mind how important that is. In 2021, he traded up for Jeremiah Robinson Earl. In 2022, traded back into the first round to get Usman Jang and walk away with three lottery picks. I would be shocked if this trend does not continue. I would be shocked if the Thunder do not make some form of a draft day trade when the draft happens this year. So here's where the Thunder sit. If they zero in on a guy, and we won't know this until it happens or doesn't happen, but for example, Trace Walker is a guy that I love for Oklahoma City. I love Trace Walker. I love Grady Dick. I love Taylor Hendricks. All three of those guys should be gone by pick 12. Now, Dick could fall to 12, but should be gone by pick 12. If Sam Presti agrees that those guys particularly fit Oklahoma City so well, then you should absolutely trade up for them. And he's shown he will do that when he circles a guy on the docket like Alexei Pokashevsky. And so here are some options I think are interesting. The first and foremost option is the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are picking at nine. For Utah, they enter next year in this kind of strange place where they were fine this year, competitive this year, and they would argue that they punted at the end of the year or so they would have made the play-in. I'd say that they were already slipping out of the play-in and then they punted. So like it's, it's kind of semantics there. But they owe the Thunder their first-round pick, top 10 protected. And so if you're the Jazz, would you just say, hey, you know, this was a better season than we thought it was going to be. We're not really in love with anybody at nine. It's more advantageous for us to take pick 12 and get our first-round pick back with no restrictions next year um, than to sit here at nine. And then the Thunder move up to nine and get a guy that they love. That's how draft day trades are made. And that's why the Thunder cannot just overwhelm, say, the Spurs for the first overall pick. Like, I know that you have that in your mind and this pipe dream in your mind of, like, trading up to the, to an extraordinarily level. Draft day trades are not built upon overwhelming teams with assets. Draft day trades are built upon, you get your guy still, but we get ours. Atlanta and Dallas. Atlanta wanted Trey Young. You can't take Trey Young, you know, at three. You can take him at five, though. So Mavs wanted Luka. 
We'll give you five. You get your guy. We get our guy at, at, at three. But we're also throwing a first-round pick. That's how draft day trades get made. And so with Utah, you're in this odd spot next year with do you tank next year? It's a weak draft class next year, but you still want your pick. Uh, and, and and you might not be in love with him at nine who you can't get at 12 or a similar comparable player at 12. Let's do nine for 12. We'll throw in your pick back to you. Maybe even an additional sweetener too. That's a team I'm really circling for the Thunder. Uh, Mavericks at 10 is a team that I don't think people are um, viewing in the right way. The Mavericks goal is going to be to trade this 10th overall pick for a player who can play playoff level minutes in their rotation a rotational player who's really good for them. That's their plan. Well, everyone's got a plan until they're punched in the mouth. Let's see if they can actually find that. And if they can't find that, if they see on draft night, all right, that there's no one out there who will give us a veteran player that can fit in our rotation um, for the 10th overall pick that makes sense for either side. We're going to need to take a prospect. Well, why wouldn't you move from 10 to 12, take said prospect, Take a prospect if you can't move off of the 10th pick for a rotational player. Take take the 12th overall pick and get future first-round picks to kind of reload some of that cupboard uh, and reload some of those assets to be able to uh, put yourself in position to make the next move or to go make a move for a veteran player with future assets. So the Mavs, I don't think I would count out just yet if they cannot find a veteran rotational player, which they might not be able to. Here's where things get fun. These next three ones are really fun. These next three ones are really the kind of uh, la-la land expectation. The Wizards at pick eight. They have a brand new GM. You don't know who it is yet, but they're going to have a brand new GM. Would you give them pick 12 and multiple first-round picks so that so that GM who walks into this job, you didn't get lottery luck, you have a lot of questions about Bradley Beal's future, you have to, to, to figure out how to bring back you know, uh, Kyle Kuzma and KP, would you want to start your tenure off by taking someone at eight who probably isn't quote unquote, the value of an eighth overall pick in the sense of he's not going to revolutionize your franchise. So would you rather trade back from eight, get pick 12 and you're going to get a, a similar level of player ish at 12, but you get multiple future first round picks that way. You have, you have this for one of two reasons. Either one, those multiple future firsts help you build around a team that's already expensive and Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, KP, and the 12th overall pick. Or if you do determine, hey, got to trade Bradley Beal. We've got to get out of the Bradley Beal business. That just helps you elongate your treasure chest after you re- restock it from trading Bradley Beal eventually. That puts you in an even better position once you do trade Bradley Beal. So either way it goes, either way, if you keep him or don't keep him, you like the way that that looks if you're the Wizards' new GM. Because it's not like you're going to get a star anyway. It's not like you're passing up a star for the 12th pick. You're passing up a a, a maybe high-level starter for the 12th pick, but also multiple future firsts to help make your life easier and your job easier. So could Sam Presti take advantage of a new GM situation in Washington? Then you have Houston at four. I think that that Houston says no because as you saw on Monday, if you listen to our draft profile and projection on the Thompson Twins, I really like Eamon Thompson. I really like his upside. So if you're the Rockets at four, I think you stay at four, take Eamon, and hope for the best. But 
what would it take? Would it take 12 and all the rocket stuff back plus stuff or just 12 and all the rocket rockets picks back to them? But I, again, I doubt either side would do this, but specifically Houston side, I don't think would do this um, for, for multiple reasons, but mainly because I think that Eamon's actually a really good player. I will caveat this with, I was all in on Jalen Green before he was a Rocket. I was all in on Jabari Smith before he was a Rocket. And people are kind of down on those two guys right now. And then the last one, the Detroit Pistons at pick five. You've just received the worst possible luck. You've been tanking and tanking and tanking, and you got bad, bad, bad luck, and you're not even going to get the shot of Eamon Thompson. At five, you are hoping that a guy like Cam Whitmore just taps into all of his potential. However, I think a guy like Cam Whitmore, I think a guy like Azar Thompson, I think that those caliber of players who have that upside are going to need an extraordinarily good developmental staff and an extraordinarily good culture to reach their 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 ceiling. And Detroit, with a first-year coach, likely is not going to have that, that, that environment to foster that upside and foster that development. So if you're Troy Weaver, has a good relationship with Sam Presti, would you trade pick five and take 12 and, and you get the tank again because you know you're going to tank again uh, after getting such bad lottery luck and you get even more future assets to to kind of walk the line of tanking and streamlining um, this next season? Maybe. Well, again, probably not. I think I've pretty well put this in, in order of like most, to, you know, to least likely to happen. But like it's at least an option to talk about on the table if you're Detroit. And you might end up hanging up. You might end up saying no, but it's at least an option for you. Now, let's talk trading down. There's only a few names that I'd circle. The most likely one would be a simple draft day trade, which we gave the example of Luca and Trey Young. This is what it is for the Thunder in this case in trading down. You call up New Orleans, and it's a classic, hey, our guy's not going to be here at our pick but uh, at 14, but he'll be there at 12. Your guy will be there at 14 uh, and 12. So we'll give you a future first plus 14 for 12. So we get our guy and then you still are going to get your guy. No harm, no foul. Let's say that the guy's Leonard Miller and the Raptors aren't going to take him. You know the Raptors aren't going to take him. And you want to take him at 14. Pelicans want to take someone else at 12. You, you make this trade, get a, get a lightly protected future first round pick and go on about your business. That'd be like one of the options of trading down. Now, why would you do that? Because everyone would be crying and screaming and, and, and kicking and screaming and crying bloody murder that Sam Presti got another future first-round pick. The CBA cannot stress enough how the CBA is going to change the NBA, especially as you start to re-sign this, these core pieces to where you're going to need cost-control talent and first-round picks get even more valuable in the future with these uh, with this new CBA rules. So you can never have too many first-round picks. That's the easiest one, that's the simplest one, and that's one that I don't think will happen, but it's just worth talking about. Another one, what if Atlanta just loves someone at, at 12, but they're at 15 right now? And you trade back from 12 to 15, and Atlanta gives you maybe a future first. You know, well, for sure a future first, but maybe maybe just something a little bit better than a future first as well. That could happen. And then with the Jazz, who already have a cupboard full of first-round picks and, and, and have some quote-unquote money to blow, if you will, what if they say, look, didn't get the didn't tank the way that we thought we would, but we can go from pick 16 up to pick 12, and we're willing to pay a pretty a pity, we're willing to pay a pretty penny to do so. Some something to consider. Something to consider. I think that all options are on the table, but I would be shocked if we leave draft night and the Thunder selected at 12, 37, and 50. I think that Sam Presti 
will continue his trend of trading picks, continue his trend of trading uh, in the draft. And those are just draft day trades, by the way. It's not even including trading um, the 30th overall pick to Denver and they get Paul, uh, they get uh, Peyton Watson. So he, he is known for making these draft day trades and trades around the draft. And I think that he'll do it again. Coming up, let's run a quick NBA draft lottery mock and see how it impacts OKC. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Hey, folks, we're here again. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms and subscribe on YouTube because this is going to be fun. Not only will we have our Litter and Miller draft profile on Friday, Thursday, tomorrow, we're talking to Derek Parker from Draft Digest about the NBA draft. Next week, we'll chat with Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter uh, about the draft post lottery and also some more NBA draft profiles from now until the start of the draft. So we've got jam-packed wall-to-wall Monday through Friday content here on Lockdown Thunder. Here it is, the NBA draft lottery order. Spurs, Hornets, Blazers, Rockets, Pistons, Magic, Pacers, Wizards, Jazz, Mavs. Then you have Magic, Thunder, Raptors, Pelicans. First and foremost, the Spurs win the Victor sweepstakes. I'm extremely jealous of the luck that the Spurs have had and the luck with generational big men that the Spurs have had. But I think this the most eye-popping way that this impacts OKC, Victor's in the Western Conference. And I don't mean that in the sense of shiver my timbers. Victor Romanian is going to be battling out with the Thunder over and over again in the conference. I mean that in the sense of if Victor is who we think he is, and if Chet Holmgren is healthy and who we think he is, that will be a manufactured but real rivalry. I think that people were manufactured because they're so similar and they're so and they're so similar and, and, and kind of play style and and hype. And I think that Chet Holmgren plays with that chip on his shoulder. Well, he'll he'll make it a rivalry too. I think that Victor will buy into that as well, to where that's going to be legit fun to watch them go at it three four times a year. And it wouldn't shock me if opening night is Spurs Thunder. And it's on ESPN, and, and it's the Wednesday after um, the Tuesday opener on TNT. It's the Wednesday ESPN opener uh, for the Central Time Zone. Would not shock me a bit if, if that's how they go about this. Because you're going to get the eyeballs of Victor's debut. It'll be also Chet Holmgren's debut, and they get to match up with each other. So I, I don't say that in the sense of like, oh, I'm scared now that Victor's going to will the Spurs to be a powerhouse. But more so, like, that's a that's a pathway to some good old-fashioned NBA rivalry stuff and some good old-fashioned NBA storylines, which I love. Uh, the Hornets getting number two. This is the perfect team for drama. And I don't mean it in the bad way of like the Hornets way of like, oh, it's the Hornets are going to mess it up. No, I just mean that the Hornets are a team where you can legit have the debate, Scoot versus Brendan Miller. Me personally, I side with Scoot. I think that Scoot and the Miller could make it work. I think that Scoot has absurd amount of upside and potential uh, to be a superstar in this league, whereas I think that Brendan Miller could be a multi-time all-star you know, it's in like one or two or three times, but still be a high, high, high level rotation, you know, a high, high level starter in this league where Scoot could be a superstar. I love Brandon Miller. I'm a huge Brandon Miller fan on the court, but I think that Scoot just has more of a ceiling, more of an upside. So I would go with Scoot and try to see if you can have one of the best backcourts in the league with Scoot and Lamelo. However, I, I truly and honestly do hear out the idea that the Hornets would be better off playing for fit with Brandon Miller. I just lean to Scoot me personally. So like, that's a debate that we're going to have from now until draft day. Uh, and, and and if this, the Hornets go Brendan Miller, that is all out chaos. 
Again, not because it'd be a mess up or a bad pick, but because of what happens next. So let's say that, that it goes Victor, San Antonio. It goes um, Miller to the Hornets. The Blazers. Scoot's there. Are you trading Dame? Are you keeping Dame? If you trade Dame, you have a launching pad between whatever you get back for Dame, plus Shaden Sharp, plus you have uh, Simons, plus you have Scoot Henderson. That is a huge launching pad to your rebuild. If you're keeping Dame, what do you do at pick three? Do you trade it? Do you trade pick three? Even though you're likely only going to get, again, overwhelmed with future assets and not like a tangible piece, but then do you do that? You trade pick three for, for a future assets package, but then you use those future assets to fill out your roster? Maybe. But the Blazers are so interesting, specifically because they might get Scoot Henderson. They might be on the board. You know, Scoot Henderson might be on the board whenever they pick. And you're just kind of up in the air. So I think it's going to go Victor, Brandon Miller, Scoot. Rockets, you just rush to put in Eamon Thompson. You make the best out of a worst scenario. And Eamon Thompson, you hope, hits that full potential of his where he is a, a, a really, really high-level player in this league. The Pistons at five is devastating. I think that you that you swing for Kim Whitmore or Izzard, uh Thompson with the, just their pure upside, but it is scary to, to put a first-year head coach in charge of their development, which I think will be um, one that needs a lot of nurturing. So it's difficult, but I would go Whitmore. Uh, with the Magic at six, I think that the Magic are in a spot here where, like, because they have the, the pick at 11, sure, you know, Hendricks and, and Walker and Grady Dick and Kayson Hollis, like, they'd be players who who help the Magic win games next year, but you're in a scenario here where you can afford to take a risk, right? You can afford to take whoever falls to six out of Cam Whitmore or Zara Thompson and just hope that they hit their absolute ceiling. And if they don't, you shrug your shoulders and move on because you already have such a, a stockpile of talent and you've got pick 11 to, to scoop up whoever remains out of, out of Taylor Hendricks, out of Jason, out of uh, Jerice Walker, out of Kaysan Wallace, out of Grady Dick, out of Anthony Black. You still have pick 11 to get the best of the remaining ones while taking a humongous upside swing. Then you have the Pacers who I'm interested to see what they do. Rick Carlisle, not the best coach for rookies in the sense of like letting them roam and stuff. Would they go Taylor Hendricks? Would they go Jerice Walker? I think they go one of the two. Uh, Wizards, Jerice Walker, Jazz, Kaysan Wallace is interesting. The Mavs, again, I think they're going to be looking to trade that pick, but they might take Anthony Black there, Grady Dick, uh, you know, 10, 11. The Thunder, Leonard Miller would be an option, of course, as we talked about before. Also trading up is an option for them. And then the Raptors and the Pelicans. I could see the Raptors, be, I could see the Raptors being big Leonard Miller fans. I could see the Raptors being big um, Kobe Bufkin fans. I could see the Raptors kind of being in on those two guys. And then the Pelicans, I could see them fielding phone calls for the 14th overall pick uh, when it's all said and done. But again, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let me know your reaction to the Thunder getting the 12th overall pick because tomorrow we'll talk with Derek Parker of DraftDigest.com. We'll talk Leonard Miller draft profile on Friday. Uh, and the next week we'll do it all over again. So subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, uh, including on YouTube. Follow the show on Twitter at LoThunderPod. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.